excited to be with you folks. If you don't know who I am, my name is Kalai George. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, if you're just joining us for the first time, welcome. Uh, we've been in a series the past few weeks called Fundamentals, Basic Steps for Spiritual Growth. And the whole premise of this series is to explain to you a, a pathway here at ProSide that will help you to grow in your faith. And this pathway is like this. It goes uh, for us to know God, follow God, discover purpose, and make a difference while helping others do the same. And so for the past three weeks, we've been really unfolding what that actually means. And the uh, emphasis in the word fundamental is the word, uh, there's a root word in there called fun. And the irony in that is this, that sometimes the basic things in life aren't fun. It seems redundant. It seems monotonous. Like, why are we calling this fun if it's just simple things? But the reality of faith is this. It's sometimes the simple things that leads to a blessed life. In reality, sometimes the blessed life is composed and comprised of us doing things that seemingly feel boring. It's the same old boring strokes. But this boring strokes will produce a blessed life in us because it puts us on a pathway to experience the favor of God. So as we are trusting him and doing the simple things, we get to experience the life that he has for us. And so today we're going to wrap up this series by looking at that last point, but how we can all make a difference in our lives. So 1 Peter chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to that. Uh, verses 7 to 11. It'll be up on screen if you don't have it, so don't worry. But just setting up really where we're talking about tonight, the uh, Apostle Peter who spent three years just uh, with Jesus, uh, having a connection with him, seeing all the miracles that he's done. Uh, he now is later on in his life and he wants to encourage the early church about what they're facing and what they're going through. So he gives them a message of encouragement to remind them of the simplicity of our faith. The great thing about our faith is this, it's not complicated. It's really to love God and to love people. That's the essence of faith. But sometimes the simple things in life can be forgotten. And also, the simple things in life is not always easy. Come on, somebody. To love God and to love people isn't the easiest thing. It's easier said than to do. But he wants to encourage the church and remind them of what we should be doing as believers. So here's what he says in verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. It says this, the end of all things is near. What he's saying here is time is short. We're not going to live forever. That our time on earth is very brief and so we need to maximize our every day because tomorrow isn't promised. And so he's saying, get ready. Make a difference with your lives today. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. So in light of the time being short and the reality of life being brief, our response to that is to what? First, pray. Because prayer releases and replaces a self-focus to a God-focus. Every single time that we pray, it's getting our eyes off of ourselves and putting it onto God. And God reminds us of who we are and, more importantly, who we're not. God wants to remind us of who we are and who we are not. Verse 8, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of of sins and biblical love here is not defined by our feelings but by living a sacrificial life for the betterment of other people that's what the bible defines as defines as love verse 9 offer hospitality to one another without grumbling that'll preach that'll preach itself without grumbling verse 10 each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of god's grace 
in its various forms. Verse 11, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. We're going to pull out some truths from that passage of scripture, apply it to our lives so we can make a difference in a practical way. So join with me as we pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. Your word is truth. And today we want to hear the truth of who you are and who we are in you. So, Lord, we don't want to hear a preacher. We want to hear your voice speak to me and through me in a powerful way. But also, we posture ourselves to hear from you. So give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that is soft, open, and receptive for everything that you want to deposit into us today. We want to leave here better than we came, and only you can do that. So, Lord, speak to us. In your beautiful name we pray, amen and amen. Men, the title of my message tonight is this, Living Beyond Yourself. Living Beyond Yourself. As uh, things have started to normalize in a society and going back to a new sense of normal, one of the things that I've been experiencing through this summer is a lot of parties. Before, parties would just drive by, and now we're getting back to hosting parties and going to parties. And like you and me, uh, we all do this internally. We might not say it out loud. But we all have a point in our lives where we're critiquing the quality of the party based on one thing, and it's the quality of the food. Come on, somebody. The better the food at the party, the better the party, right? I don't care how big of a balloon art you got or how cute the little trinkets and favors are. If the food ain't good, the party ain't good. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching really good right now. And so you can do all of that, can have a nice place, but if the food isn't good... The party isn't so good. But if the, the food is great, the party is great. And here's what I thought about Filipinos. Filipinos critique the party based on the amount of food that they can take home. And all the Filipinos say, balon, come on, somebody, Ziploc bag, you know, take some home. And so although we are critiquing a party this way, I do an internal critique. I critique a party not based on how well of a food it's, uh, how good of a food it is. I critique the party on how they serve the food. So not how tasty the food is. I critique a party based on how they serve the food. And I don't know about you, but sometimes you go to a party and they have people, meaning, meaningful people, and they're serving you the food. You ever been into a, a food line and they're giving you just like a small scoop of Kahlua pig and you're looking at them like, you serious, right? Come on. <laughs> Get another scoop and throw that on my plate. You ever been there before where they're just like really trying to stretch the food? Usually when they're putting people in place to serve the food, it's because they don't want to run out of the food. And so they're having people to serve. And so I don't really like those kind of parties because I really want more on my plate. So the parties that I do enjoy, the parties that are great is when there is no one serving. All they have is the utensil there. And you're just like, it's fair game. Come on, somebody. You can... Put on your plate whatever you want, how much you want, right? No veggies. Get the veggies out of my face. I want the, uh, the noodles, the fried noodles, the rice, and all that kind of stuff. You start loading up your plate, and you determine how much you want. Anybody here agree with me that you can decide how much food you want to put on your plate? It's all about I can serve myself. And so although self-service is a great thing when it comes to a food line, Self-service is a bad way for us to build our lives. 
when it's all about serving ourselves, that is a bad model for us to live by because God wants us to serve other people. But the irony is for you and I, we are living in a world where everything in our society is built upon making our lives easy and convenient. Amazon, anyone? How many of us shop on Amazon? How many of us love Amazon because you can buy what you want and it'll get delivered to your door, right? Simple, easy, convenient. You don't even have to go to the store. But if you have to go to the store, you can go to a store and they can order it online and you can have what? Curbside pickup. I don't even need to get out of my car. You're going to bring the stuff to me. Convenient, easy. Nowadays, we don't even have to go to the store for food. Grubhub will bring it to you wherever you're at. Simple, convenient, easy, great. Great for society, but not great in the kingdom. Because here's why. The whole essence of the kingdom of God is built upon not other people serving us, but upon us serving and loving other people. And if we're not cautious, here's what's going to happen. We're going to think that the whole world exists to serve me, meet my needs. The church is here to meet my needs, to be there when I want them to be. God is here just to bless me and to make my life better and happier. And it's all about us. But that's not the biblical mindset. And that's not what Jesus came to model for us. So the apostle Peter is reminding us that it really is not about you but about what God wants to do in us to serve other people. So the first point in my notes is this. We experience a life full of purpose as we serve others. It's all about serving other people. Verse 10 in the scripture that we just read says this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So God has given us all gifts. That's what we talked about last week. And the purpose of the gift that he gives us is to serve other people. And the emphasis here in this passage is this idea of stewards. What a steward is, is basically a manager. You don't own it. You're just managing the gift that God has given you. So if you're a manager, you're not an owner. Who owns it? God does. We're just managing what is deposited into our lives. And too often, you and I, we use our gifts not to serve other people, but to serve ourselves, to make our lives better, to make more money for ourselves, so that we can live this lavish lifestyle that it's all about us and about what we want and what we want to do. And so too often, we're using the gifts not to glorify God and serve other people, but mainly to serve ourselves. But I heard it said this way, that our talent is God's gift to us. What we do with it is our gift back to God. So if we've all been given a gift, how we steward that gift and what we do with that gift is our response to the generosity of God in our lives. Pablo Picasso says it another way. The meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. It's not about keeping this gift to yourself. It's about blessing others, and serving other people. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. 
God's ultimate purpose for our lives is to make a difference, and we are his masterpiece for making a difference. And the great thing about God is before we were even born, he had good things planned out for us on a daily basis. So every single day that we wake up, it's an opportunity for us to do good, to discover the things that he prepared for us long ago. Which means this, every day is important. There's no day that we can just throw in the towel and say, I'll get it tomorrow. Every single day, there's an opportunity for us to make an impact, to live beyond ourselves, to serve other people. So Muhammad Ali says this, service to others is the rent you pay for your room here on earth. Serving others is the rent we pay for the room that we have here on earth. And so the Apostle Peter breaks down two practical ways. And I don't care what your background is. I don't care how old you are. These two simple things we all can do in whatever field God has called us to live in. Whatever gift he's given us to do, we can all do these two things. And so we can make a difference with doing two things. The first thing is with our words. We can make a difference with our words. Verse 11 says this, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. The very words of God. And words are powerful. We can use our words to speak life or we can use our words to speak death. How many of us have ever heard that saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? How many of us know that that's a lie? And here's how I know that's a lie. If I were to ask you what is the most encouraging thing someone has ever spoken to you, you might have a difficult time, time thinking what that is. But if I were to ask you what is the most hurtful thing someone has ever spoken over you, that'll come up easy. Why? Words leave an impression. Negative words leave a lasting impact on our lives. And we begin to remember the negative things more than the positive things. And how many of us know that we're living in a world that's continuously filled with so much negativity? So we as believers need to be countercultural and use our words to speak life in any environment that we're in. How many of us know that, you know, if you ever diffuse or use some essential oils, throw that thing in. How many of us know that that creates an atmosphere? You can smell the oil, right? You can kind of you know, it's lavender. I can smell the lavender. It's really good. I'm going to go to sleep soon, right? And so you can kind of smell the atmosphere of what the essential oil is creating. The same thing happens with our words. Our words also creates an atmosphere. So when we're speaking life and using our words to build other people up, it creates a change in the atmosphere. So for us as believers, every single place that we go, we should be using our words to speak life to change the atmosphere. And I love this. It's challenging us to do one thing. That every time we have an interaction or we're talking with people, we are speaking on behalf of God. It's like we're his mouthpiece to other people. Which means this. If a person who never has heard the voice of God or have never understand the things that which God wants to speak to us. If they never heard that before, you and I become a vessel to speak on behalf of God to them, meaning this, that they should hear God through our words. Wow. We're all guilty sometimes of our words not bringing life into situations where our emotions got the best of us, huh? right? Where we started tearing down instead of building up. And so for us, we have to be reminded that we're God's mouthpiece. Man, if people haven't heard the voice of God, they should hear it through me. 
So that means for us, we need to hear and know what God's voice sounds like because we're speaking on his behalf. That's why getting into the word is so essential because the more we know of God's word, the more truth we can speak to God's people. So the more word you get into you, the more truth you can speak over the lives of the people around you to share the love of God through our words. But if we are analyzing our words and we're looking at our lives, and if you see that your mouth is constantly being negative, the Bible says this, that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What that means for us is this, that if it's constantly negative coming out, it might be a sign that something on, going on on the inside is not right. We might have some hurts and some wounds, and what's happening is that's manifesting in our words. You might try to manufacture and maneuver your words to keep it polished, but if your heart is still corrupt and hurt, what's still going to come out is hurtful words. And so what the Bible is saying this, deal with the inner stuff, maybe forgive and ask God for forgiveness to heal some of our hearts. The more of our heart he heals, the more life-giving our words will be. So if you're looking at your words and it's negative, there might be a bigger issue happening in our heart. So here's the takeaway for all of us. If you have something good to say, say it, text it, write it, let other people know the truth about what God has put on your heart to speak life over them. If you don't have anything nice to say, shh, you don't have to say it. You can just be quiet. So we want to make a difference with our words. Second thing is this. Not only with our words, but we can make a difference with our actions. Verse 11 continues on and says this. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God supplies. So for us as believers, here's how that works. We see a need and we meet that need with the love of Christ. That's what serving and using our actions to benefit other people looks like. But the emphasis here on this scripture is doing it with the strength that God provides. Meaning that we can't fully serve on our own strength. We can only do so in God's way with God's strength. And I want to give you Two reasons why this is difficult in two different scenarios. Two equations. Here's the first equation. The right thing done with the wrong heart is still the wrong thing. Let me say that again. The right thing done with the wrong heart will still produce the wrong thing. How many of us know motivation matters? Not just doing the right thing. How you go about doing the right thing also matters. Where's my married people in the house tonight? Raise your hand. If your spouse asks you, honey, can you grab me a bottle of water from the refrigerator? And you're like, bottle of water? You get feet? Go grab them yourself. Please, honey. Oh, all right. Here we go. Grab the water. Here, honey, take that. How many of us know you did the right thing, but what? The motivation and how you did it produced what? The wrong thing. If you did that, that is war, World War III ready to happen. Bam, 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 bam. How many of us know that the small things done in the wrong way can produce a lot of bickering and so forth? I'm not speaking from experience, okay? But motivation matters, right? So what does that mean for us that it, in our own strength, will have a difficult time being selfless for other people? But in these moments where we feel weak and where we feel selfish, this is where we lean into God and ask God, God, give me the strength to do this, and you change your attitude, you put on faith, and you be like, honey, water, I got you. You want, you want ice with that too? You want me to put it in a hydro flask so it stays cold longer? Here, 
baby, here's, you deserve not only this, but more so. Whatever you want, hon. How many of us know the right thing done in the right way will produce what? The right result. So how we do things matters in the kingdom of God. And you need God's strength to do that consistently. Because on our own strength, we'll have an ability to kind of do that on our own. But long term, consistently as a lifestyle, we only need God's strength for us to do that. Here's the second equation. The right thing done with the right heart can still produce wrong responses in people. What I mean by that is this. Sometimes you can do the right thing, have the right heart, and people still not be receptive to that. You ever been in traffic and you let someone ease in front of you? They come in, they don't throw the shotgun, and you're just like, oh, bro, just let you in. What's, what's wrong with you? What, hard for do this, huh? Right? How many of us have been there before? You hold the door open for someone, and they don't even say thank you. They just walk right in. And you're thinking, man, I should have slammed that door on you. What does that mean? We're putting too much emphasis on their response to what? Our good action. Meaning this, if we continuously do that, long term it becomes transactional, not sacrificial. So God wants us to do it regardless if they respond well or not. And it's harder to do if we're honest if they're not responding right. Isn't that true? I'm reminded of a time where uh, I was uh, approached by a homeless person and they wanted money. And all I had at that time was $20 and I wasn't feeling that generous on that particular day. Okay, so they asked me for money. I said, I don't have money. Uh, but I wanted to do something. So the person walked away, and I was like, man, I can give them food. So I drove across the street, bought them the biggest meal at Burger King that I could, and I came back. And I found them there, and I blessed them with it. He said, hey, brother, this is for you. Enjoy. God bless. And he's like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And so I'm driving away, and I kid you not, not 30 seconds after I just did a good deed, feeling good in my heart, I honored God glorified him, served other people. I'm driving away in my rear view mirror. I see the person that I just blessed with, some Burger King, take what I just gave him, walk to the trash can, and threw it away. I was like, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> I wanted to do a 360, or 360, 180, because I would have turned right back around if that was 360. <laughs> wanted to do a U-turn. Drive right to him and tell him, bro, what you selfish, what, you know, ungrateful and let him know. And how many of us would have responded in the same way? Bro, I just blessed you and you want to do that? You could have at least waited till I drove off before you did it right in front of my face. What does that show? That we're putting too much emphasis on our serving according to how people received what we did. You know the world serves for that transactional kind of approach where you better be thankful, you better receive, and then you better pay me back long term. Jesus is saying how we serve in the kingdom is completely for the benefit of other people, whether they respond right or not. And we need God's grace for that. Because consistently doing good and experiencing bad in return can discourage anyone. That's where we remind ourselves on how much God really serves us, so that gives us the grace to continue to serve other people people. Easier said than done, I know. But we need to make a difference with our words and with our actions. And here's why we serve. We serve with the intent to share about Jesus. So for us as a church, 
we don't just share and serve for just serving's sake, but we have a means to our serving. We want to serve so that we can share about Jesus. Verse 11 continues on and says this, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. So serving isn't the end goal. Sharing about Christ is. So we use serving as a means to share more about Jesus. We want to build rapport with people so that we can have enough weight to encourage them about who Jesus is to us. So there's a motivation for our serving, and we want to talk about Jesus. And so there's organizations all around our state, our city, our society that just serve for serving's sake, and that's great. But what makes us different as a kingdom is we serve to talk about Jesus. We want to use that as an opportunity to share about the love of Christ. So we want to show the love of Christ through our serving, but we also want to share the love of Christ through our words. It's about demonstration and proclamation, not either or, it's both and. So if you say, I have an agenda, yes, my agenda is so that you can experience God's love through me. It will be the meanest thing for us to do as a church where we just continue to serve without having an opportunity to share about Christ. So people are getting blessed and they're living their lives separated from God. We cannot let that happen on our watch. We're going to serve with the intent to share more about Jesus so that you can have your lives radically changed and impacted in the same way that our lives has been impacted. So we do have an agenda. Colossians 4, 5 to 7 says this, live wisely among those who are not believers. So when we're around people who are seeking God or have no idea who God is, we need to be aware on how we live our lives. Here's why. We need to make the most out of every opportunity. So the more we live like Christ, the more opportunities we should have to share about Christ in our lives. Here's how we do that. Let your conversations be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. So the way in which we have conversations, the topic of our conversations, especially with unbelievers, should point people to Jesus. Just had an opportunity the other day. I've been working out at this gym for a long time. And uh, I've been working consistently, working out consistently with a guy at the same gym. And just out of a matter of a couple days within this past week, I had a couple interactions where I had an opportunity to share about what I do. Uh, he asked me what church I, I work at. I said, I am a pastor at Pearlside Church. He YouTubed me. He's like, bro, you're like YouTube famous. I'm like, no, I'm not that famous. He's like, bro, your, your face is everywhere. I see you all the time. And so that was just kind of a weird thing. And he asked me this past week, how did you get involved in pastoring? And I shared with him my testimony. Man, God just impacted me. I knew about God. He came real to me. And I never wanted to be a pastor, but God started to lead me on the pathway, open doors for me to do what I'm doing today. And that just brief conversation created a curiosity with him. That the following day, he opened up a little bit more and talked about really what he's going through. His wife is far away. He's looking for a job and so forth. And I was able to hear more of his heart. And I'm ready right now looking for an opportunity to not only just pray for him, but to share and invite him to church with me. So I had an agenda. And it took three or four years of consistently being in his environment for that opportunity to come up. And so when those opportunities come up, we don't be, we're not going to be held back by fear, but we're going to step forward in faith and make sure that we capitalize on every opportunity so that people can know Jesus through us. I have a testimony of a person 
uh, who really models this. There's a lot of people that could be on stage sharing about this, but this is a particular person that I felt like is the perfect fit for this topic of conversation. So everyone here on the Sunday night, 6 p.m., help me welcome Uncle Darren Huell as he comes to the stage to encourage us. Thank you. Come on, Uncle Darren. I call him Uncle Darren. I don't think he likes me calling him uncle. Uh, but, you know, you got to respect your elders and so forth. <laughs> and so uh, uh, we've known each other for a long time. We actually, the time that you started coming to church is the opportunity where I started to work for the church. And so we have some pictures on screen that kind of uh, shows your life and what God has done. So why don't you explain to us some of these pictures uh, tonight. Okay, Mark. Morning. Uh, good evening, everybody. Let's put up the first picture. So that picture over there, I got to baptize my son, um, my daughter-in-law, my granddaughter, and two close family friends. So that's your entire family and how God used you to really water baptize a family member. How impactful was that for you? Oh, that was the best baptism I did yet. Yeah, and yeah. I like how you have shark-infested waters there on the right. But oh, yeah, those guys right there. I had to put that picture because we were talking to them. And as we was talking to them, the guys came and put up the shark sign. So their backs were to them and all that. And then we told them, I guess they get baptized. You better have some faith. And they turned around, and there was a <laughs> sign right there. <laughs> so you're really believing in Jesus when they start putting out the shark sighting yep, signs, Yeah, they all right? got baptized. That's so. how your faith gets established. What is the next picture? Explain to us this. I don't know. Which one? This is um, it's my son, um, and that's the football team after we won the championship, and this is one of the coaches over How there. long have you been coaching football? Uh, I've been at Pearl City High School since 2005. And be honest, how many championships have you won as a football coach? <laughs> we won three champion JV championships over there. All right, so go Chargers. And uh, so football has always been a passion for you, and that became an opportunity for you to coach and so forth, and so that's that. Uh, what's the next picture? Uh, that's my staff right there, um, my cook and my baker, Pat and John, and um, that's me. So that's your office there at yeah. Honouli Uli Middle School, and you're currently a cafeteria manager, and we're going to get into how that came about, and these are the people that you work with. Uh, what is the next picture? Who are these oh, guys? That, that's my leadership guys. You see what we look like, <laughs> and yeah, that's my principal right there, Todd Fujimori. So Uncle Darren is what we call a co-chair. He not only own, runs his own small group, but he actually oversees a bunch of other people who lead small groups, and he coaches them on how to do it well. And so these are the guys that lead small groups under his leadership, and uh, he's basically impacting uh, people. Uh, the people that you reached out to got saved, they got discipled, and then you made them leaders to run small groups. And that, so that's what that is. What's the next picture? Hey, that's your partner in crime yeah. right there. That's my principal right there, my crazy Christian principal, Todd Fujimori. And so we're going to get into how he was influ uh, influential in you doing what you're doing today because without him, you wouldn't uh, be, be where, where you're at. So God used him in a powerful way to make a difference in your life. And here's the person where this all began. Who's this next person? It's my cousin Donna who's going to kill me that I put that picture up <laughs> right there. So I know we call her Auntie Donna. Auntie Donna uh, was the person that invited you to come to church, right? And you wouldn't be here 
without her invitation to bring you to church. Yep, right? I still be at Nancy's Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> so how many of us know one invitation can radically impact a person's life? You never know what God can do through an invitation. So keep on inviting people. But she was influential, and her invitation to you to come to church came at a particular time. But before we get into that, share with us how you were before coming to Christ. Because I don't think people believe how you really were. So... Um, how Kalai's idea of a party is, that's not my idea. My idea was um, which party has the best beer. That's the party we going <laughs> so to. So it had nothing you know? to do with the food. It was all yeah, about, it was just about you know, beverages we have. Yeah, coaching is stressful. At the end, everybody's just party. So, yeah, we was just partying. So you had an active partying lifestyle, and that lifestyle eventually caught up to you where it has some consequences that affected your relationships. Tell us about that. Yeah, so in um, 2007, I was going through a divorce and just kind of going, trying to do the same things, you know, just trying to drink it away and just partying and all that. And then, um, yeah, my cousin Donna told me, just come church, check it out. And so why did you say yes to that invitation? Maybe I was drunk. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know myself, but I just went. Her and her husband picked me up. For six months, every Sunday. They picked you up because you had no way of getting out of that. They needed, they needed to love you into the kingdom, right? Yeah. And they invited you, and then they brought you. And through that process of invitation, God started to work on your heart. Tell us about that. Um, I don't know. Getting divorced, going through that, that was like kind of the worst thing at that time going through. But um, he put people in my life, walked me through it, and... Uh, the main thing is, like, I couldn't get out of my own anger. Like, my parents, everybody couldn't handle my anger. But when God, like, showed me how to calm it down and all that, then, then I knew he was real. So he started to change your heart, and that's how you knew, well, this God thing isn't just this thing that sounds good, but he is good. Yeah. So he started to change your heart. But there needed to come to a point where you came to a place of total surrender because for a season, although God was working in your heart, you were kind of in and out when it comes to a small group and church. You were just kind of going through the motions, but you needed to come to a place of giving up some good things because coaching was a really good thing, but that was actually stopping you from actually growing in your faith. So tell us how you came to that pivotal turning point in your life. Yeah, so my identity was in like just like coaching, being a coach and telling everybody what to do, you do it and all that. And uh, yeah, I thought I just was going to just... You know, I would use coaching to get out of small group. Like, oh, I got to go coach. I cannot come small group. So um, eventually I had to make a stand, you know, and I, I, I had to choose small group. So uh, I just um, made it a point that every Wednesday I wouldn't go. But you had practice. a conversation with the coaches and you oh, let yeah. them know that this I told is going to be a change. Yeah, this is it. Like, I'm not going to come. And it was like, oh, why, family? And I said, well, I'm going to go to a church group. <laughs> and they were probably thinking, right, this guy is yeah, crazy. Yeah, it didn't go well. But they didn't think that that was going to be forever. They thought, ah, this is just a phase or a season. How many of us know that sometimes people just think, oh, that church thing, that's just a phase. You'll get over it. You'll come back. But yeah. it wasn't. It was an all-in thing for you. Yeah. And you have given up that night consistently. And now small group is a priority for you in your life. Yeah. And how have things impacted you or changed for the betterment since you made that decision? 
what you mean? <laughs> how, when you made that decision to surrender, how has your life been different since that? Oh, yeah, like, um, I've been a cook all my life for 17 years. I mean, since I was 17, and that's all I wanted to be, just cook, 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 cook. But, um, like, God had a different plan, you know? Like, I never wanted to be a manager. I thought all managers was not good. Especially cafeteria managers. Yeah, yeah, telling her what to do and all that. I was satisfied with being a cook and all that, but, um, like, God, he kind of, like, made a way. So Uncle Darren, if you don't know, his, one of his giftings that he knows for a long time was to cook. And you cannot lose weight when you're on Uncle Darren because he'll con continuously feed you food over and over. And so you knew that was a gift. And so you went into a field where you can use that gift. So you were just cooking at schools. And God had a different plan for your life. You were settled and content with just being a cook. But he wanted to move you to a place of purpose through cooking. And so although you were hesitant, he started to put you in places for you to grow in this gifting. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I'm not the brightest color crayon in the box, but <laughs> I knew that God gave me a gift of cooking. So, you know, cook and all that and all that. And like I said, I survived since I was 17 cooking and getting paid. And ever since I was 17, my mom wanted me to be a cafeteria manager. And I ran away from that for 40 years. It's like... But how many of you know that your mom has a direct line to Jesus Christ and <laughs> whatever they say, that's what's going to happen. And I mean, yeah, you know, like things started shifting. Um, you know, Todd wanted to be a principal at another school, so he brought it to the leadership to pray for him that he wanted to transfer to this new school. So we all prayed for him and, you know, by God's grace, he got it. And then he said, oh, you know, I want you to be the coffee manager. And I said, no. And no, if you know I don't Uncle want Darren, it. Yeah. the first response for anything that you ask him is always going to be? No. <laughs> <laughs> so you said no, but how many of us know God won't settle for our no's? He'll keep on putting us in situations for us to eventually say yes. And so there were some things that he made that happen because you weren't qualified to be a manager. Yeah, like I told him no because I wasn't qualified to be a manager. You know, you need so much experience. You need you a, a degree, degree and, so and all forth, that. Right? But um, as soon as... He activated that. Um, my manager at my job, he, he retired, like, out of nowhere. And um, my principal told me, oh, you know, he's going to retire and all that, and we want you to be the manager. And, so and I told him no. You told him no. Yeah. But then you eventually said yes because no one else responded to take that position, so they asked you to take that position, right? Yeah, they, he, she brought the supervisor in, and they, like, forced me to do it. <laughs> And so under, I'm computer illiterate, that's why you know that. <laughs> yeah, this guy types yeah. two fingers like this. <laughs> I don't know how he does, it takes him forever. Yeah. Uh, but God was knowing where you're at, but how many of us know that you might be unqualified, but God qualifies those who are unqualified. So he took Uncle Darren through a process of getting you ready for what you're eventually doing today. So you had to go through a season of serving as a uh, assistant, right? Yeah, like a temporary manager. So I stayed there for two years, but I needed three years um, to be of, you know, temporary assignment to get the job at Todd's school. But in two years, uh, the principal hired another manager. Okay, so you were thinking, ah, see, I'm Yeah, so I was happy. Cook. I was like, oh, I'm just going to go be the cook. And then what did God do? He repositioned And then you, right? it didn't happen. Yeah, the supervisor, they forced me to take that one extra year that I had at another school on a base. So the weird thing is um, when I was 18, I got banned from the base. <laughs> 
Because so of your previous I had to get a fight. deal. Yeah, I had to get a D bid. So the supervisor was like, "Oh, go do this," and I'm like, "No, I'm not gonna pass." But I passed. So God made a way. Yeah. How many of us know that even though you have a past, God can still cover the past for us to do what he has for us in our purpose. And so he was working behind the scenes to put you in position. You served that last year at this school, finally getting to a place of being qualified. And tell us what God did in the miracle for you to actually do what you're doing today. Yeah, so um, after I did that year at that school, and then Todd's school was shut down the, for that year because I had COVID, so they didn't hire a manager that year. But um, when I got qualified, then he was hiring a manager. Yeah, and so you, you applied to be a manager, right? And uh, God started closing doors on other people so that that became your job. So tell us about the miracle of that. So other people could have applied and easily been in position to take that job, right? Yeah, I don't know if anybody applied, but all I know is I got hired. <laughs> so let me explain this to you. So he put his name in. Other people from other schools had an opportunity to also put their name in to be a cafeteria manager. And the, the odds are for people wanting to go to a new school with new facilities, brand new stuff, most people would say yes to that because you have the best of the best. You don't have the old stuff. And so for this new position, you put your name in, but no one else put their name in. It seemed like God said no to other people so that he can say yes to Darren to be doing what he's currently doing today. So you might see it as a coincidence. I see it as God closing doors on others for us to be in our purpose for our lives. Because how many of us know it doesn't matter how many people are in front of you. If God has called you to do this, he'll make a way, come on, where there seems to be no way for you to be in line and in the right place at the right time to fulfill your purpose. So now that you're in this seat, you're not just doing it as a job, but you're seeing it as an opportunity to impact people. So how has God used you to really share about him, to lead others to him through being a cafeteria manager? Well, like, it was like a five-year journey to, to get there, praying and all that. And, you know, you got to get your small group. <laughs> That's the only way I got there was prayers from my small group. You know, I wanted to quit plenty times, but they wouldn't let me. Mm. And, and God wouldn't let me too, so... Like, if God puts something on your heart and you think you can get away, try. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it, like, because you, you told me the other day when we were talking that you see what you're doing as church because you have morning prayer with the two guys that you work with. Every day you guys pray. And uh, in the DOE, how many of us know that that's kind of a no-no, but he doesn't care. He prays with his workers. You play Christian music as you're serving food to make sure that you're changing the atmosphere there. But also, there were some troubled kids that we had difficulties with. And I say we because uh, I've been helping out Todd and so forth, and we partnered with this. Uh, my wife works at that school. Uh, but they needed extra love and attention, and you took the opportunity to, like, have Bible study with us, uh, with them. So tell us about that. Um, yeah, uh, a ladies' group over here, they gave us a bunch of Bibles, man, like a lot of Bibles for children and we had a little Christian group going, and we was handing them out. But, you know, our school, it's like the kids know much over there. And you think it's a new school, and everybody thinks they're coming to Punahou, but they don't have much. So I just wanted to try, like, giving a word or something. But a lot of them, they cannot handle staying with everybody. So a couple of them want to take themselves out of that. I mean, they just come in the office. And, read Bible or Yeah, so they were get, getting negatively influenced by their friends, but we had faith conversations with them. They wanted to live for God. 
And so they knew that they were going to be distracted going to recess. So instead of doing that, they came and read the Bible with you over their break. And you had an opportunity to pray with them. Uh, a couple of the students you actually led to the Lord. And he's doing this as a cafeteria manager, guys. Which means that no matter what you're doing, you can be used by God to impact other people. And you said one word to me on why you think God chose you. Because like you said, you're not the brightest crayon in the box. But why, what was it about you that you felt like God was able to trust you to do what you're doing today? Um, I just try to be available for God. Available. You know, like just, yeah, be available and listen to what he has to say. And you got to be bold enough to like step out and do it. Yeah. So just being available. Yeah. How many of us know that a posture of availability, God can use that to impact other people? Sometimes we say, God, use me, but our lives are so busy. It's like, when? When can I use you? So what does that mean? We have to say no to some stuff so that we can say yes to his purpose for our lives. Give us a parting shot tonight with just how God has moved in you because we have people young and old here. Um, what can you say to encourage them to trust God and to use their gifts to impact people? Yeah, just be available. Like, like. The good works that God put in front of you, I cannot do them. Only you can do them. Mm. But you have to believe that you can do it, you know. You're not going to believe the stuff that God's going to, you know, make you do. But if you have faith in him, you just got to go. Come on. How about a hand for Uncle Darren? Thank you so much for sharing your story. Uncle Darren went to uh, Kamehameha High School. I went to St. Louis, so God had to bring some reconciliation there in our hearts for us to be doing what we're doing today. Uh, but God will always put you with people to live your purpose. We never walk out our purpose by ourselves, for ourselves. We always do so in the community of other people. Last point in my notes is this. To be like Christ, we must serve like Christ. So God is wanting us to serve. Why? Because Jesus came to serve. So Jesus having a conversation with his disciples, they wanted power and authority for themselves. And so Jesus, knowing where they're at, this is what he replies to them. He says this, Jesus called them together and said, you know the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over other people. So what does that mean? People are using their authority for selfish gain. That's how the world works. But in the kingdom, we don't make our way up by stepping on people along the way. We make our way up by going down to serve others. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to first, uh, wants to be great first must be your slave. The world steps on other people to achieve, achieve greatness, but God uses us to serve people for greatness. So just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus came to serve. He left the, com left the comforts of heaven to serve you and I. And so if Jesus modeled serving for us, what makes us think that we can live a different way? He's modeling for us how he wants us to serve. So for us, the more we serve in love, the more like Christ we become. The more we do it in faith, the more like him we become in our lives. Our motivation was for serving is because Jesus modeled it for us. He first served us. We're not giving away what we first haven't received from Christ. And so for us, this means that greatness can be uh, achieved by anybody and here's why because we can all serve so if you can all serve that means greatness is possible for us in our lives but here's the truth if serving is beneath you then greatness is beyond you let me say that again if serving is beneath you then greatness is beyond you 
because the path, path, pathway for greatness in our lives in faith is through serving. And a lot of times in this world that we're living in, it's all about us making the most money, getting a platform so we can live a lavish lifestyle. There's nothing wrong with that, but that will always lead to an empty life. So here's the entire takeaway of today's message. It's this. I'll never be satisfied making a dollar when my purpose is to make a difference. So all the money in the world will still leave you empty because it, will never, it was never meant to fulfill you. The money is always a means to make a difference in the lives of other people. When we make a difference in the lives, that's where the fulfillment comes. So our response here tonight is to be available. You got to ask yourself, what is it in my life right now that is stopping me from being used by God? God wants to use everyone. That is true. But not everyone gets used. Why? Because we're not in a place of being available. So my question to you is, can you be available? Because if you say yes to being yes, uh, saying yes to being available to God, he will take that yes and put you in places and positions to fulfill your God-given purpose. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for this word, Lord. Seal it on our hearts. Lord, we thank you that you first served us by going on the cross to die for our sins. And our response to that generosity and sacrificial living is to say, here I am, Lord. I am available. So, Lord, whatever it is in our lives that we're holding on to that's stopping us from being used by you, I pray we'll say no to those things so that we can say yes to you and your purpose for our lives. God, we thank you for Uncle Darren and what he's modeling for us. But, Lord, we thank you that you want to do that same work in all of our lives. So we position ourselves to say yes to you. In your beautiful name we pray. Amen and amen.